17 minutes it is before 9 p.m. We're under the microscope this evening here on Metro FM Talk and uh, we return to something we'd uh, touched on last week, which was uh, the report by the uh, health ombud, Professor Malekha Puru Makhoba, regarding uh, Tabisa Tertiary Hospital and, uh, of course, also the circumstances that led to the avoidable death of 34-year-old businessman Shonisani Litole, uh, who went for a cumulative 100 hours, according to the Makhoba report, without being fed at the hospital. Now, the Young Nurses Indaba Trade Union is rejecting the findings of that report, and uh, they join us now on the line, and um, as we try and understand, of course, uh, some of the reasons for doing this. Larato Mtunzi is the president of the Young Nurses Indaba Trade Union. Larato, welcome once again to Metro FM Talk. Uh, good evening to you and to your listeners. Larato, uh, the report came out last week. A lot of people, I guess... Um, really hurt by uh, uh, you know the uh, outcomes and some of the findings and uh, um, uh, really the circumstances leading of course to the passing of Shonisani Latole. Uh, you're saying that you, you reject the findings of this report largely because it shields uh, the Provincial Department of Health from taking responsibility. Absolutely. Mara, maybe before we go into that we need to say we are sending our deepest and heartfelt condolences to the okay the Shola family, and also put it across very clearly sure. that our rejection of the report is by no means trying mm. to, you know, to downplay the seriousness sure. of, you know, the tragedy that happened to this uh, young man mm. and the mm. pain that uh, his family is undergoing. Sure. Really, our, Thanks for that. Our, Thanks for that. Bubon Thank you for that. Yeah. Our, our rejection of this report is founded on the following. We do feel that uh, the Department of Health at the province should be held accountable for the death of Shonisani, not necessarily the specific clinicians or administrators at the hospital. We say this boldly because we, we know for a fact that between the 23rd and the 27th of June in 2020, healthcare workers were not provided with PPE. You'll understand that this was just after the Minister of Health had made pronouncement on Nurses' Day to say healthcare workers equally must be protected and no one should um, be exposed to COVID-19 patients without appropriate PPE. But during this period that I'm referring to, in this hospital, there was no PPE and uh, PPE was equally withheld. With From this frustration, the workers had to take on a go-slow strike and uh, they were requesting to say, look, we want to go in. The people that are serving our patients food, water attendant, and so forth, they could not even reach the patients because they didn't have mm. the bare minimums. So it's a very sad situation. It's covered in the report quite extensively, but we, we, we are perplexed because the ombudsman is not saying, the department, you needed to give healthcare workers protection for them to continue with their daily work. You know, it's so mm. frustrating that you have to go to work. And when you're on duty, you find that you, for an example, you're a soldier and you're not given a gun. And they just say, go and fight. With what? Uh, you know, mm. our healthcare workers to date, we're still struggling with the bare minimum. Human resources is a problem. Material resources is a problem. And the Department of Health are just happy to put people under the bus and say, no, sure. we will discipline. Who will you discipline before starting with yourself? Mm. We need Narato. to discipline yourselves first. I, mm. I, I just want to draw your attention, I guess, to, to, to one of the quotes that we saw coming through here. Mm. You're suggesting as a union that the CEO 
of Tembisa Tertiary Hospital around the time of the passing of uh, Shonisana Litole had sent out communication to nursing management suggesting that they withhold PPEs to casualty staff as there was a shortage of this personal protective equipment? You know, the sad part is that um, during that time, the PPE, as we speak, even today, PPE is controlled centrally at the head office. Now, under normal circumstances, if it was not covered, hospitals were able to order masks, aprons, theater gowns, you name it, themselves. But when COVID hit and we knew there was exponential budget put on it, the head office took over. And I think that's why we had to sit with issues of SIU reports and so forth. I don't want to even go into that. The reality of the matter is hospitals in our province, in Gauteng, 89 hospitals, all of them, they're all struggling. They struggle to just get, you know, in some instances where we had to, as a union, go to the depot so that members, our members, could get PPE. That was a sad situation. With those facilities, clinics have lost count. How many throughout the COVID-19 to say, fumigate, uh, disinfect, give workers PPE. When, when you get to the matrons or when you get to the, clinic, uh, to the, to the uh, heads of these establishments, they tell you, we are not given what we need. There is so much red tape. We have no even uh, ability to order these things. It's just hard trenching to find that you are throwing the healthcare workers to the deep and most of them have lost their lives. Most of them have been have contracted COVID nineteen not once, not twice. And unfortunately this is a it's a, a an incident. It's one incident that highlights many. But also I want to say on the twenty sixth in that particular June when Shonisani lost his life, he was not alone. Six other people lost their lives. Unfortunately, they're not on Twitter. They're not trending. That is an unfortunate part. But the reality of the matter is our Department of Health and Housing mm. fails our people. Yeah, yeah. Loretto, I want us to do this. I want us to take a brief break. When we come back, um, I want us to maybe just unpack this division of responsibility because I think, especially when it comes to Indosne concurrent sort of uh, functions and powers, uh, education, healthcare. Uh, we sometimes, even I guess some of us in the media are, are at fault for this, we sometimes tend to fudge the issue. So I want us to, to really be clear, I guess, uh, around where the chain of accountability lies here. Um, and more importantly, unpack what, what could be done to make sure that this doesn't happen again. Uh, we'll continue after this brief break. Ten minutes it is before 9 p.m. We're under the microscope this evening. I'm in, um, in conversation with Laratum Tunzi, the president of the Young Nurses Indaba Trade Union. And, uh, you know, as Larat, I guess, I guess the other question, you know, often when we say Department of Health, um, people assume that, you know, we're talking about the national one or we're talking about a provincial one or because seemingly they are synonymous. Um, you would understand this, I guess, better than most, that in some cases there's certain responsibilities that come with the distribution of PPE and uh, I guess what we'll find now with the vaccines that rests with the provincial department and then there would be those of course you know allocatively or even from a policy perspective that would rest with the national department. Um, 
talk us through that because I mean I I want to get a very clear sense of where you feel accountability should lie and and how we can avoid this going forward. Um, I think maybe we need to start by by understanding that when the disaster was um, declared by our president, the Minister of Health equally came on board and said our facilities were ready. But you will also appreciate the fact that when we speak of governance uh, in the healthcare, the minister is um, custodian for policy, but when it comes to strategy and operations, that completely lies with the provincial departments of health. And the provincial department of health are actually not even reporting to the minister. As you can see with this particular case of Tembisa, the minister would rely on being a complainant. Imagine being a complainant of a system or a healthcare service that you're supposed to be an overarching accounting officer of. In health, unfortunately, it's not like that. So the minister really has no power over MECs of health. Uh, the premiers in individual provinces take accountability and this MECs report to them, which really castrates so much power from the minister. And that, are, you know, that alone takes those quasi-powers and, and makes ministers really to become almost like an outsider. But in issues of PPE, like maybe if we need to zoom in into that, the departments of health and provinces have got absolute power to say, hospitals, you know, do your own procurement, do your own uh, refurbishing of human and material resources. But in this case, during the disaster, they opted to take absolute control over it. And you would understand that if um, a CEO, for argument's sake, had to, has to be in charge and the back stops with him and he's sitting with a supply of scanty PPE, obviously, even in your house, if you've got a bread and you've got 10 kids and you want it to last you for three days, you'll give them one slice each. So in your mind, you're thinking you're doing the right thing. But reality of the matter is when the workers revolted and said, no, the minister said, you must give us adequate PPE. If the PPE must not be worn for more than four hours, we need to change it. And unfortunately, the supply was over exceeding the demand. Now, that's where the problem is. As we sit, the Department of Health was aware of the strike, was aware of the go slow, was aware that People at shop floor, doctors and nurses and support staff were frustrated and nothing was done. Let's fast forward. The, report, um, the investigation happens. The ombudsman comes out with damning, damning findings, which the sequence of events we are not questioning because it was exactly what the staff had attached to the ombudsman. The recommendation is a problem. It tells you we've got a systemic problem. And this problem is not a Tembisa problem. It's a problem of all 89 hospitals in the province. And at any given time, we are happy because at least with Shonisani, where he was, this businessman, he had support. He's got a Twitter account. He could tag the minister. How many others? in different hospitals suffer the same fate and continue to suffer the same fate. And that's exactly so, what so, we are. So, Lorato, let me maybe try and understand this. What about the recommendations of uh, the Makhoba report are you mm. rejecting? And what about what they recommend are you rejecting? Look, we are, we are totally 
not in agreement with the fact that clinicians and administrators must be used as scapegoats, must be, people must undergo disciplinary action, people must even face, um, you know, when you go for disciplinary, you are either dismissed or maybe given a, a sanction of some sort. If a doctor says, I would like to help a patient put an NG tube, one of the issues was just before food, it was putting up an NG tube. That doctor needed PPE to go close to that patient. Are you saying this clinician must sacrifice themselves and go close to a patient and that has got COVID-19 when the employer is failing to offer the bare minimum? Now, it, 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 it makes such an ethical uh, uh, dilemma for a clinician to not even know, do I go in, do I not go in? If I go in, we stand to contract COVID-19, pass it on to my own family members and also to the community that I, I come close to, or even whatever shop that I'm going to pass by. At the same time, the president of this country, on the 1st of May, we went out dance-blazing and we said, President, few things, just four things that you need to assist us with. We are asking for adequate PPE. We are asking that those people that are working in this unit must be accommodated in terms of a place to stay while they are on duty for whatever day. We are asking also that they must be transported. Otherwise, the dream of threatening the care will not happen. Now, <sighs> all those things were never achieved. All those things were just set down played. We want to jump and say, let's just vaccinate everyone. And we know we are not even able to meet the APCs. The very washing of hands, I'm talking about what they tell me and you to do in the hospital. Sometimes there's not even a soap and a hand towel. What they tell me you and to, to wear a mask, they're not even offering our healthcare workers N95 masks. They're expecting them to wear a, a mask for, for, for order and, 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 and a, a surgical mask. Really what we have been doing to care us throughout this COVID and even before COVID it's unfair. Mm. It's unfair. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, this, this context that you're providing is very helpful because it does really unpack the complexity and the systemic questions uh, that lead to uh, the circumstances that uh, gave rise not only to the death of Shoni Sani, but to the death of many other people. Uh, uh, deaths that no doubt could have been avoided. Before I let you go, I just want to hear briefly your perspective on um, the vaccination distribution program and I guess uh, the role that health workers are going to play on that score. Quick five issues. You have not been able as a government to care for the carer in giving them the bare minimums to be in the forefront of fighting COVID-19. The trust that they have on the government is zero to none. We've run a couple of polls. We've run, you know, uh, research on the ground. People are saying this government of the day does not care about us. We don't even trust the very vaccine. Moreover, that is still on trial. It has not actually passed the 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 tick sheet that is needed for us as frontliners. We feel as frontliners that we are thrown again under the bus because this government of the day has proven without fail that they don't care. Second issue, you have allowed us to contract COVID-1. We are dealing with a different strain. You want us to celebrate a vaccine for the initial strain of the virus when we are now having an SA 
strain that this particular vi- uh, vaccine is not going to be able to help us with. And here we are, we are still at the shop floor. We are still not managing to give us point A, which is bare minimum PPE. Thirdly, you, you have allowed us to die and you have not even shown any compassion, no, no compensation, no sympathy to our very own families. Why, as a government of the day, should we trust you? Why must we even begin to think that you, are, you, you have our best interest at heart? You have not taken us through training. You have not developed us. You have not signed us competent on the pathology itself, on COVID-19, let alone the vaccine. You want to celebrate the flight that landed and brought us the vaccine that we don't know what it, it contained in there. You have not empowered us enough to empower a black community that are going to get this vaccine. You are actually asking us to be accomplished of something that we are not part of. It is unfair to expect us to take this job and give it to the people that we claim to serve. Already the communities that we serve as nurses hate us. They look at us because you've made us look bad. You have not given us resources. Our people come in, whether they complain of whatever, we give them panado, we give them proofread. Because that's all you've given mm. us. You've made us look bad. Our communities are literally attacking us and they believe we are the ones that are killing them. You are putting us in the same situation. We are tired. It's enough now. It's enough. We are tired as healthcare professionals mm. and as sure. nurses. We don't want to be party to your party. Larato, we'll have to leave it there, Siswam. And uh, thank you very much uh, for sharing uh, some of your perspectives as the young nurses in our trade union. Uh, Larato Mtunzi there. And uh, you can certainly hear... Uh, that uh, there's going to be a lot of work that's going to have to happen uh, in uh, ensuring that many of those at the front line of our response uh, are effectively cared for because uh, those are the kind of circumstances that lead, uh, of course, uh, undoubtedly to uh, some of the avoidable deaths that we've seen. It's a little after 9 p.m. The man with the music is standing by.